Thanks for joining us on the New Beginnings Podcast, where our goal is to help people connect with Christ. We hope you enjoy listening. Uh, part two of our series called Soul Detox. Um, so glad that you're here today. How many of you were not here last week? Raise your hand. You were not here last week. All right, go get, the, go get online. Go get the, the, the download, the podcast. Get a free CD on your way out the service. So important because this series definitely kind of builds on what we talked about last week. But, but it's so huge because here's what we determined is that because of my organic wife, I learned that my body has toxins in it. Because of the food that I eat or the air that I breathe or especially the food that I eat according to her, but then the air that I breathe, everything, there's always toxins around you. And what happens is, is you get these toxins in your body and they, you know, they, they, they get down into your joints and they get into your, your, uh, your organs. And it's just, it's just something that you, every once in a while, it's good to have a cleanse is my point. And, and that's what we do with our body. But what I've learned as talking to people and praying with people and counseling with people is that not only do we gather and collect toxins in our body, but man... We collect toxins in our soul. There is something inside of us. And this is, and if you've ever felt this way before, if you've ever felt like something like, man, why, why did I say that? Where did that come from? Or why did I do that? Or why did that person, when they, when they did that, why did it make me feel that way? Where, you, know, what, you, you ever just done something, and in, in, in the moment you were doing it, you didn't think much about it. But then you got three months down the road, and you're like, why did I do, what was I thinking? Does anybody, am I the only one that's ever had the funny, weird feelings inside, and you're trying to... And here's what we learn is that really, we are made up of three parts. God is three parts. He is Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. You are made in His image and likeness, and so God made you with three parts. You are spirit. Everybody say spirit, soul, body. Now, here's how this works, and it's, it's, it's really simple. You are a spirit. Like inside of you, the essence of you, because how do you get to heaven? How do you move on from this place? What connects you to this place is your body. This is your earth suit. This is what keeps you connected to gravity, touching the earth and all that good stuff. Body is how you connect to the earth. But, but in your soul, it's made up of your thoughts and your feelings and your decisions. And the reason why you are not just a soul, that you are a spirit, is because you have thoughts. You are not your thoughts, Right? You have feelings. You're not your feelings because you felt this way before and then, and then afterwards you felt this way. Or when you were younger, you used to think this way and now you're a little bit older and you think this way. So you're not your thoughts. You're not your feelings. You're not even your decisions. These are things that you have. But deep embedded into your mind and your thoughts, deep embedded into your emotions and your feelings, you start collecting weird stuff. Have you ever reached that point in your life where you all of a sudden realize, oh my gosh, my mother does that. <laughs> Have you ever reached to your, your point? You were like, I remember sitting at a table and the way that I was sitting at the table and the way that I was holding my body, I was like, oh my gosh, this is how my dad does it. I've picked up his body mannerisms, but, but, but there's things that we pass along. There's things like there were things that I noticed about my dad. And, and when I was young, I resented them. And then later I became them. Because something is passed along from his dad to, to him and then from him to me. And these soul things just keep kind of building up. And if I'm not mindful, if I'm not careful, I'm just going to pass along. And some of the good things you want to pass along. But how many you know, like, your parents probably had some funkiness. And they passed it on to you. And then some of you are old enough now to where you look at your adult children and you're like, I took my funkiness and somehow it was contagious. 
And they picked up on that stuff. And I didn't want them to turn out that way. And I didn't want them to follow in my footsteps. But somehow there was, again, I'm just telling you, there's a toxicity level in your soul. And until we learn to renew our mind and be healed from the damaged wounds to our emotions, we're never going to fully live out God's best in our life. That's just the way that it is. And today we're going to just take a journey. And for the next few weeks, we'll look at individual different things. But today I want to talk about how do we break off the addictive behaviors. You ever notice how like, like, and some people are more prone to this than others. It could be your personality temperament. It could be that you just have a genetical code or something was passed along from your parents. But hey, we all, this isn't like just like you're at an AA meeting and I'm talking to you today. I'm talking about we all have things that we are addicted to. We have all things in our life that we just surrender to, are mastered by. They control us. They motivate us. And, and this, is, this is what I want you to know. is today you, you can break free from those addictions. Whatever it is that drives you, that controls you, that gets in your mind, convinces you, that whatever it is. Let me read a scripture for you to prove it. The Bible says in Romans 6, verse 12, it says, Therefore... Do not let sin reign in your mortal body so that you obey its evil desires. Do not offer the parts of your body to sin as instruments of wickedness, but rather offer yourselves to God, for sin shall no longer be your, everybody say, master. Yeah, yeah, this word master literally means like, no, it's the Lord of your life. It sits on the throne of your heart. You, you kind of go and, and, and pay homage to it, and you do it with your time, and you do it with your money, and you do it with the different aspects of your life, and this is the thing that really drives your life. Like you, when, Now, if we had a conversation, you would say, Jesus drives my life, or, or my family, and I love this, and I, but, but really, when you look at it, there are certain things in our life that have control over us. There are certain things that master us so the question then becomes what's mastering you it got quiet up in here i wasn't looking for like a verbal response or anything like that y'all can be we're not gonna like poll we're not gonna do anything but like i just want you to think for a minute there are certain things in our like like i was just talking to somebody and they said hey what's going on i said oh well my buddy's gonna come into town and then we're gonna go play golf and i was doing the math I was like and then there's thursday and there's friday and then there's saturday and then we're going here on monday and then tuesday and she just got this weird look on her face she's like dear god who wants to play golf that much and I said, who doesn't want to play golf that much? I, I, it dawned on me that for me to play that much golf in that much span of time, I may have an issue. I may have something that, that's beyond me. And so, but, you know, when, when I was younger, my wife thought I was addicted to video games. I don't know if y'all ever been there. I'm a generation. I, I think yet last week I even shared with you that the greatest gift I ever got was that little Italian plumber named Mario. And he changed my life. And as a young person, I'm like, I'm a child of the, of the you know, video game era. Like the people that were the generation before me, y'all don't, y'all don't roll like that because y'all had Pong or whatever. Y'all had that where like the bar was here and you just slid the bar and then the ball was bouncing. You know, it, that's what y'all had. Look, I had Mario. And so, but there's an addictive nature to video games. And so for the longest time, my wife, uh, my wife had a bitterness towards the phrase, babe, just one more game. Wives, can I get a what, what out there? Just you ever had your husband? Just one more, just one more. And so we have different. But like, here, here's what I know. Like, I know, I know people, and they're good people. To have an addiction doesn't mean you're a bad person. It just means there's something in your soul that's kind of controlling or dominating or mastering you. But I know great people who have all kinds of issues. Like some of you are addicted to tobacco. 
Like I heard the funniest story about somebody who their, their professor was trying to break their addiction to, to, to cigarettes and they had like four nicotine patches on and passed out in class. And so, <laughs> so look, it's t- tobacco, some of you use alcohol. I, I know many of you have, have broken and gotten free from, from alcoholism and you did the AA thing and you went to the meetings and you fought and you broke through. For other people, it's, it's some type of drugs and this could be anything from street drugs to grandma. You've been stealing grandma's prescription drugs and you got issues when it comes to that. Some of you, it's gambling. I find gambling to be a fascinating thing because gambling is not substance oriented. Think about that. It, you, you're, what, you're, what, what they say is that what you're addicted to is the rush and the feeling of putting the risk on the table and putting it on the line and feeling those things. So you're addicted. You have a gambling issue. Food. Yes, yeah, some of y'all are addicted to food. You have a food thing. It's a comfort thing. It medicate thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a Christian drug is really what it is. Why do y'all think, why do y'all think restaurants do so good Sunday after church? Anyway. There's sexual addiction. There's pornographic addiction. Some of y'all are addicted to the internet, social media. Y'all are junkies. Y'all need to stop. You need to destroy your, your iPhone. You know what I mean? You need, to, you need to like delete your Facebook account, your Instagram account. Your, I don't even know what they are. I just found out that we Insta here at the church. We have an Instagram. I don't know what we put on it. Do we put pictures? Is pictures on Instagram? So we do that. But I don't, I, I'm not mastered by it, clearly. I have other issues. See, our issue, my, my, hey, uh, some of y'all are addicted to work. Like work is an addiction. You're a workaholic. You're driven and you can't sleep or rest until it's done, until the task is finished and you can't put it down and you can't stop. And, what, and it's just, it's mastering you. And what I want to tell you today is this, is that you want one thing to master your life and that's Jesus. It's the only thing you want mastering your life is God's person of Jesus in your life, the purpose and plan of Jesus in your life. That's what you want mastering your life. And anything that masters you other than that is literally in control of that. And you are now a slave to it. And it's driving you. And if you want to know, if you're curious to see if you have an issue or not, let me ask them the question. Because sometimes it's easy to look at other people's addiction and it's so plain and clear for you to see theirs, right? Like, like alcohol, even. alcohol is an easy one to see on people, right? It's, look, it's even easy to see in yourself, I believe, because if you, if you ever get to the point in your life where you're, you're, you're the one that's dancing, but there's no music, <laughs> if you're the one that believes that your ex-spouse, ex-girl, ex-boy, whatever, needs to hear from you at 4 a.m., like, you, you, it's just clear you have an issue, right? If you continually wake up and you don't know where your pants are, that... You, you, that's where you just like, okay, I have issues. I have, I have a problem with that. So some of them are easy to see, but some of them are not. Some of them are easy to kind of excuse away and justify. And as human beings, we are the masters of making up great excuses for our behaviors. Because it's rational to us, we'll figure out a way to make it make sense to us. So here's some questions for you. Do, do, do you and your families, or do, do your family and friends say that you have a problem? Because remember, it's easier for them to see it than it is for you to see it. Do you continue even though you're hurting other people? Do you arrange your schedule around it? Can you go a week without it? Is it leading you into isolation? That thing, at some point, it's the thing that you eventually say, I got to keep this thing a secret. 
That's, th- those are some of the indicators. And see, here's the problem. It's so easy to see in other people. Sometimes we, some, But some of us just know. Some of us know that we're in that cycle of addiction. We know that something controls us, masters us. Sometimes it's just a really, really bad habit that we want to break, but we know that that habit owns us. And the cycle can be so destructive because eventually it tears apart your finances, it tears apart your family, it tears apart your friends. And then because of that, you try to change. But if you can't change on your own, you feel this hopelessness. So then that drives you deeper into the issue that you got. And then you just medicate the pain with the issue that caused the pain. That's a bad cycle. Like that's just, there, there's no life there. There's no hope. There's no breaking. You got, you got to be breaking bad. And so we got to break free from the addictions that drive us. And so again, whether you feel like I have an addiction to a substance or if you feel like I just have something, and I, I don't know if you're like me, even if it's not an addiction to a substance or a thing, this is going to be really, really good for anybody that just says, man, I want to stop doing this. I want to break this thing off my... It doesn't have to be a substance, but if you've ever felt like, man, I want to stop doing that. I want to stop being that way. I want to stop being that person. Here's where I want to guide you today. I'm going to give you some really, really good biblical advice. Are you ready? This is how you're going to break bad. This is how you're going to break addiction. This is how you're going to get over it. Um, Number one is this. Most important thing that you can do whenever you have a habit, an issue, an addiction, or something like that, is you have to can the excuses. Like, be really, really careful to listen to your words. Whenever somebody addresses something, a family member, a friend, they bring it up to you, listen to your words. Because if the words that come out of your mouth, when they challenge you or confront you, if you start arguing and justifying and trying to rationalize everything away, just be aware that you are trapping yourself now. You've got to can the excuses. At some point, you've got to own it. As a matter of fact, listen to the scripture. There's an entire parable that Jesus does. Luke chapter 14, the Bible says that, that there's this story about a king that invites all the people into this grand celebration. But verse 18 says this, but they all alike began to make what? That was like the weakest <laughs> response ever. I, okay, let's try that again. But they all alike began to make what? Excuses. They all began to make excuses. The first said, well, hey, I just bought a field and I must go and see it. Please what? Please excuse me. And another said, I just bought five yoke of oxen and I'm on my way to try them out. Please excuse me. And still another said, well, I just got married so, so I can't come either. And they all began to, and the whole parable, one of the driving factors of the parable was, is that whenever God invites you into his grand celebration, that when you're truly bound up by something, there's something naturally within you that says, I just got to rationalize, reason, argue, justify, and make excuses for everything. But here's, here's what you're going to really find, is the people that find freedom, they don't hide it. They don't lie about it. They don't excuse it. At some point, they put it out on front street, and they own it, and they just decide, you know what, everybody needs to know, that's why number two is this, number two is you got to take it public. So stop making the personal excuses, stop rationalizing yourself, stop rationalizing other people, and then you got to go public with this thing. As a matter of fact, read this, James chapter 5, verse 16, the Bible says, therefore confess your sins to each other. That's not Catholic, right? Catholic is, is going to a box where a guy can't even look you in the eyeball, right? And then if I dump my sin bucket out and I leave and I do the whatever, then I get to go free and I'm going to... Does that make sense? 
That's not what the scripture says. It says you've got junk in your heart. You've got these habits or addictions that you need to break. And the best thing you can do is find two or three people that love you and believe in you. And you need to go let them know. Hey, I got to confess something to you. I'm struggling with this. I'm suffering with this. I'm battling this. I am not. This thing is getting the best of me and I'm losing the battle. And you need to confess to each other and then pray for each other so that you may be healed. You don't believe me? Listen to this. Proverbs 28, 13. The Bible says, he who conceals his sin does not prosper. But whoever confesses and then renounces them finds mercy. One of the best things that you can do, this is what, this is what any, any group or organization, whether it's Celebrate Recovery or whatever is going to teach you, you need people around you. You need some accountability. You need some people that will love you, believe in you, pick you up, will help you through this thing, pray with you through this thing. You need people to surround you, and you've got to put it out there and make it public. Number three is this. you got to cut the ties. Like, I, I want you to think that most of our addictive behaviors or patterns are connected to people. Does that make sense? Let me put it like this. I was a youth pastor for almost 10 years, and I would have kids that would start struggling with like doing drugs with their friends. And, and, and this is the number one thing I would tell them. Okay, look, here's the deal. You might not be strong enough right now to like just say no and to, to stop and to tell your friends and buddies that you're not going to anymore. So here's what I want you to do. I just want you to cut the ties. So like you don't have the strength in the moment to say no to your friends. Just don't ever be with those friends. You, you're going to need to like cut the ties and the reason why is this, the reason why, because I would say it like this, but like, look, do you have like a meth lab in your basement? Do you have, a, do you have like marijuana plants in your basement? So you're not like cultivating, you've got to go to somebody, be around some people. You, and so my point is, is you've got to cut it off at the source and not cut off, because you don't have the strength to cut it off right now, but you can cut off the people in your life that bring this junk into your soul. Listen to this, 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 33 says this, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. Come back to your senses as you ought and stop sinning. So this doesn't apply to everybody, but is there a person in your life that you know, like, look, I'll, t I'll tell you who it was in my life. When I was a young man, I had a friend named Otto. And that alone tells you, <laughs> who names their child Otto? What does that even mean? That wasn't his nickname. That was his name. And Otto was crazy. And Otto had this incredible ability to bring the crazy out in me. And I was bad enough on my own. But there was something powerful about Otto that when I was in the presence of Otto, I was willing to do anything. I could do anything. And I, I just, so my life went over the, like I was bad enough, but it went way over the deep end. My friends who were doing bad things with me already, these were not Christian dudes. These were, these were bad people in and of themselves. They came to me and had an intervention. <laughs> when bad people intervene for you because you've gotten that far over into the deep end, that lets you know it's too far. It's, it's gone too far. And the reason why it went so far for me was because of Otto. Otto was this driving influence, and he was intoxicating to me as a teenager. I would do anything if I was hanging out with Otto. And I don't know who your Otto is or where your Otto is. Like, you have a place, you have a person, you have a thing. But some of you need to, like, consider this question. What ties do I need to cut? Number four is this, is, is at this point we begin to say, okay, not only do I need to cut the ties, make it, you know, stop making excuses, go public with some people. I need to come, I need to have a come to Jesus moment. Can we put it like that? 
I need to have a moment where I just come to Jesus and I bear all. And listen, listen to the scripture here. The Bible says that Paul, when he was talking about his own weaknesses and his own infirmities, he says this. He says he went to Jesus. We covered this not too long ago. He went to Jesus and begged for help. And Jesus' response was, my grace is sufficient for you because my power is made perfect in your weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That's why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses. For when I am weak, then I'm strong. See, you think that if you hide it and people won't know, or if you don't tell God and you just try to be strong and try to use willpower to get through it. Have you ever seen anybody just try to be like dog-determined willpower just to overcome stuff? How'd that work? There's something about actually surrender. There's something about saying, you know what? It's not about my strength and willpower. It's actually about my surrender to his power. And that's how I overcome the addictions in my life. Number five is this, is you have to fight for freedom. Like no addiction is going to be like just, all right, well, since you decided to make this decision to give this up, I'm just going to walk away and say goodbye. Good luck with that. No, no addiction just walks away. No addiction just kind of falls off you. No real bad habit just kind of just says, you know what, you're right. You totally should drop this. Let's move on. No, nobody, no habit or addiction does that to you. You'll have to fight for it. So listen to this scripture. 2 Corinthians 10.3 says, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. We don't have planes and missiles and bombs and guns. That's not how we fight. But the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. So think about this. The way that Paul talked about you having addictions or these sinful habits in your life that control you, he said they're like strongholds. You know what a stronghold is? Like start thinking about a tower and a wall and a, and a fortress set up in your soul. And he goes, you just need to know that that habit, that addiction has come into your soul and built a tower and built a wall and they're, they're standing their ground and they're going to fight to master you and control you. But don't worry, because the weapons of our warfare are for demolishing strongholds. But let me give you a few, a, a few weapons that I think are really, really powerful. I know for me this was huge. Number one is this, irrational obedience to God. That's a weapon. Like, there, there, there has to be something in us that says, even though I don't totally get it all, even though I don't know if I can make sense of everything, God, because you said it, I'm just going to do it. And I don't understand all the ins and outs and the whys, and I'm not sure that I've got everything figured out in my whole faith journey and my, my whole faith system, but I'm going to have irrational obedience. If you said it, I'm going to do it, period. End of discussion. Number two is this, is, is, is there's got to be this thing where you begin to consume God's words. There's got to be, I'm telling you what, if you want to overcome, we talked about renewing our mind, overcoming. We're talking about a mass consumption of God's words. We're not talking about Bible verse of the day popping up your iPhone, even though that's great. We're not talking about, because it's, because it's you know, October you know, the 8th, we're going to read Proverbs chapter 8, and that'll be my goodbye, and, that, and that's good. There's nothing wrong with that. I'm talking about when you need to break addiction and habits off of your life, there needs to be a mass consumption of God's word. And then thirdly, I'm going to say it like this, you need some religious prayer. Like, like steady, like I, 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 when I say religious, I mean like, you know, I'm talking about like, he does that religiously. I mean, when you wake up in the morning, you're praying. When you go to bed at night, you're praying. You're praying through what you've been reading and you're praying. I'm telling you what, these are the weapons of our warfare. And until we get some of these things built into us, 
that stronghold might not come down because we're not fighting the fight. Let's keep going. Number six is this. Um, sometimes the best answer is run like crazy. Like, again, when you have an addiction, you have a habit, you have a temptation, maybe it's connected to a person or a place or a thing. I don't know what it is, but you just, sometimes the antidote is run. run like, like, I know guys that, that they have come to me and said, hey, I struggle with pornography. Like, I struggle with this. I, I, I'm like, hey, look, you need to do whatever it takes. Throw away your laptop, cut off the internet at your house. I don't care what you have to do. You just have to figure out how to run away from it sometimes. That's the antidote. Listen to this. I'll prove it. No temptation has seized you except that which is common to man. If, if you ever felt like nobody knows what I'm going through or nobody's ever done this before, you're wrong. All temptation is common to man. There's nothing new that you will face that somebody else before you hasn't already faced themselves. He says, but God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. But when you are tempted, he will also do what? Provide a way out. So that you can stand up under it. I want, to, I want you to see like the, the, the difference here. Because he says God's not going to put on anything you can't bear. Because when it comes, he'll just provide an exit door. Does that make sense? So that you can stand up against it. So we've got bearing and standing up. But the key point is what? Run. Get out. Find the exit door. When Paul was talking to Timothy, who was like a young man, he said, run away from and flee youthful lust. And here's why this is so important, particularly in the area of like pornography and sexual sin, is men, you do not have the strength in and of yourself to stop it. It doesn't exist. The idea is not, Paul did not tell Timothy, hey, just be strong. Just be really, really strong. If you'll just pray a little harder, you can overcome. If you'll just be just super determined and tons of willpower, you can overcome. Paul didn't say that. Paul wrote two-thirds of the New Testament. You know what he said? Run like crazy. Get out. Create all kinds of boundaries and guardrails and just block everything and just find the exit ramp and escape. Sometimes, depending on what the habit is or what the addiction is, sometimes it's not pray more. Sometimes it is run harder. Last one is this, and I believe in this one. Get busy with God's purpose. Like, get on mission. Like, figure out what your purpose in life is and what God made you to do and designed you to do and gifted you to do and figure out what that is. Because I don't know about you, but I know tons of people, they're struggling with their addiction, they're struggling with their bad habit, and then when they have too much time on their hands... They get bored and then their mind races and then auto calls or, you know, what, whatever it is. And, and then all of a sudden it's like, well, yeah, I mean, I'm kind of bored. I guess I could do that. Don't ever be bored. Get busy with God's plan and mission and purpose for your life because I'm telling you what, for so much of my life, let me, let me put it like this. This isn't going to sound very spiritual, but maybe it'll make sense. There are a lot of things that I was tempted to do as a young man. And I really wanted to do them and they were enticing. But I said no. Not because I was just necessarily the strongest or just so connected to God in that moment. I said no because I looked at God's plan for my life. And I thought, you know what? If I do this, it'll jack up God's plan for my life. If I do this, I won't be able to go do this and do this. And I know I want to do this with my life. I know this is what... Put it this way. It wasn't God's strength that helped me trump that habit. It was just God's plan for my life was so much bigger than that dumb idea or that bad decision or that foolish mistake. My purpose was, it was just heavier. It was bigger. It was too important. What I had here was too great for me to be doing ridiculous things. Are you hearing me today? 
And you need to get that thing in you that says, you know what? My purpose just doesn't allow me the time to get so bored. And this is so much bigger and more important. I don't have time to be connected to and hooked up to that habit and that addiction. I'm going to break free. Because really when you look at it, and you look at the habits and the addictions of our life, if you really just look at them logically, let's take the emotion out of it, let's take the addiction out of it, let's take the, the soul tie out of it, they're just really dumb. I'll, I'll prove it to you. Who says, hey, let's do this. Let's, let's just inhale smoke into our lungs over and over and over again, knowing that it's going to kill me. And it's going to ruin my health and my standard of living when I get older. But let's just keep doing it. It doesn't make any logical sense, but I know this because my, my grandfather died of lung cancer. I saw him literally wither before my eyes. But at the time, he would have never, he just said, I just can't break it and I need it and I got to have it. And it became a part of his identity and he just didn't care at some point in time and he just surrendered to it. And there's so many things like, like people that drive themselves through gambling. Like, like who says, hey, I'm going to work really hard until I get my paycheck on Friday. And then I'm going to take that down to Bay 101 and then play all these games of chance and just see what happens. That doesn't make any, there, there's, no, there's no logic to it is my point. There's this, there's this story, it's a great story. How many love dogs out there, dog lovers? I love dogs. This is a great story. This was in the news. There was this dog. It was a three-year-old Great Dane. If you know what dogs are, these dogs are big. And um, the owner noticed that it was like moaning and then eventually like vomiting and like its stomach got really distended. So what do you do? You take your dog to the vet. And you take your dog to the vet because you love your dog and you want to make sure your dog's cared for and you want to make sure he's good and healthy and whole because the Great Danes are cool dogs. You just want to keep your dog alive. So they did an abdominal scan, and they found this massive clump, and they couldn't figure out what it was, but they realized it was this huge mass that was messing up the internal system of the dog. So they had to perform surgery on this three-year-old Great Dane. Do you know what they pulled out of the dog? Forty-three and a half socks. Anybody got a dog that eats socks? My dog eats puzzle pieces. You know, like, they're weird. They don't know better. They're dogs. This dog had a fetish for socks. <laughs> had like a thing for 43 and a half socks. For, and just keep eating them. And you just keep eating socks. You're a dog, but you just keep eating socks. And then the question is, it's like, why is there a half sock? <laughs> what? What? What happened to the other half of that? So, wait, wait, why isn't it just 44 socks? It's, it was 43 and a half socks. And you look at that story and you think, what a dumb dog. Why would you just be so committed to and so in love with socks so you would just consume your life with socks and eat socks and it's going to make you sick and it's going to ruin your life. It's probably going to kill you, but you need socks. And, and, and the ridiculousness of that story is just to showcase that's the way we are. Because if we ever got to the end of our lives, when, when, when we finally die in our heaven with Jesus, there's so many of us going to look back on our life and be like, what? I was just eating socks. I was committed to socks. I was in love with socks. I needed, I had a craving for socks and it killed me. And it's not because you're a bad person. It's because somewhere in your soul, you got it convinced in your mind and a part of your identity and emotionally connected to and a soul generational thing was passed on and you were just committed to socks. And what I want you to know is that God wants you to be free. 
That's the whole goal. The closer and closer that I get to Jesus, the more free I become. And I'm free to obey Him. I'm free to love other people. I'm free to engage in great relationships. I'm free to live out God's plan for my life and do incredible eternity-based things, like eternity-changing things. Like That's freedom. That's the abundant life that Jesus died and rose again for. And we're eating socks. I just want you to know you can be free today. Listen, last scripture and I'll pray. The Bible says, 1 Corinthians 15, 17. The Bible says, but thanks be to God. He gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you that you can be free. That you don't have to live as a, as a, as a slave. That, remember what the Bible says? It said, don't, don't let anything master you. Don't let sin master you. Literally to own you, to dominate you, to be the Lord of your life. But many of us, we got things that we've propped up and put on a throne. And we give it our time. And we give it our money. And we've sacrificed our relationships for it. And it has done nothing but wreck our life. I've never, other than addicted to Jesus, I've never met somebody that said, you know what? When I got hooked on this and I got addicted to this, my life was just the best it had ever been. Changed my life, and my life's never been as good as it is right now that, now that I've been addicted to this. And never. That's no one's story. And no one ever starts out in life saying, you know what I want to do? Yeah, I want to get hooked on to gambling and just totally wreck my marriage and empty my bank account. That, that's what I want. Nobody ever starts out that way. But it begins when we allow something deep into our soul to master us. But you can be free. You need to follow some really, really good advice. You need to draw closer and closer to Jesus because in him there is victory. Let's pray this morning. God, we thank you. We don't have to be bound. We don't have to be slaves to anything, God. But God, we can be slaves to you. We can be servants of you. We can be mastered by you. And so God, we pray, everybody here within the sound of my voice, God, I pray that in our heart and our mind, God, we're moving closer and closer to you, Jesus. And in doing so, we're moving closer and closer to freedom. God, I pray for anybody in here. And let's just do this real quick. Everybody with their head bowed, their eye closed. No one looking around. I want to keep this as private as I can. But if you're in here today and you say, Todd, I'm struggling. Todd, I've got a thing that I've been trying to break off my life. I've been a ha- there's a habit I've been trying to break. There's an addiction I've been trying to break. And I need you to pray for me. Will you just slip your hand up in the air? Yeah. Man, there's, there's hands up everywhere. Don't be ashamed. Man, there's, there's, there's hands up everywhere that says, hey, we're all in the same boat together. So, Father, I pray for these wonderful people, God. I pray that, God, they would live a life of confession. God, confessing to you, owning it, confessing to one another, getting some accountability around them. God, let them live a life of confession to you and to confession to other people. God, I pray that they live a life of surrender, where, God, they're constantly, God, surrendering their power and strength and saying, you know what, I'm not good enough, but Jesus, you are. I'm not strong enough, but Jesus, You are. I don't have the power to quit, but Jesus, you do. And that they would live a life of surrendering to you. God, I pray that they would leave this place and continue to God to renew their mind with your words, with your divine thoughts. God, let them think like you think so they can live as you would have them to live. God, I pray that you would give them the strength to help them to break the power of that addiction off their life. God, we pray and ask these things in Jesus' name. And we all said, amen, amen. Can we give Lord a big hand on this one? Thanks again for listening to the New Beginnings Podcast. For more information on New Beginnings Church, please visit us online at nbchurch.tv.